because at a point people were asking me when are you when, when are we <laughs> Lord have mercy. when are we coming for naming you know in a in a yeah. yeah. people begin to ask yeah. you so when are we having grandchildren and when are we having kids yeah. and all that yeah. and sometimes it can be a bit of a burden it can, and it can be it can be heartbreaking yeah. when you're not having kids and then all your um, I'm my I'm my parents' only daughter. I have three other brothers, but I'm the only girl. So when all these other people around you, cousins and nieces, are all having kids, and then you are the only. Ballard says there is no role in life that is more essential than that of motherhood. A very warm welcome to Podcast with Sheila, the podcast that is spreading positivity around the world through the sharing of real life experiences. Our guest for today is a wife, a mom, and the owner of Real Moms Connect and an advocate to domestic violence. I believe there is more to her, but we'll get to know about that in a minute. Hello, Sandra, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. Thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on our platform today. Can you give us a brief background of who Sandra is, where she comes from, stuff like that, before we set the ball rolling? Okay. So, my name is Sandra Tulani. Um, I'm a wife to one husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mother to three girls. Um, originally from Ghana, I've spent most of my adult life in the UK. I'm an event planner and consultant. I'm a relationship strategist and coach. I'm a mentor to a lot of mentees. Um, I'm an advocate against domestic abuse. I'm a J9 trained um, domestic abuse. So, um, and then, like you said, um, Real Moms Connect, which comes under Real Talk Haven. Real Talk Haven is a place where people find solace, peace, rest. Where we talk about everything and nothing to do with relationships, families, um, being a mother, being a wife, being in a relationship, dating, courting, marriage, divorce, in between, wherever you stand, we talk about all that. Um, and also the co-founder of um, a non-profitable organization called Kofia, which is Income for Africa to support women in need. Know so a founder of Race Against Time. Race Against Time is also a non uh, um, governmental or a non it's a charity, so it's a non profitable organization that deals with maternal mortality. Oh, so that is who Sandra is. Great, Sandra, you are a lady with a lot of hats, you wear different hats, and that's so impressive. Are your charities based in the UK? Both charities yes. are based in the UK. Great. I would like us to talk more about that um, as we go on in this conversation. But before we get to that, let's talk about your journey as a mother, right up from where you had your first child. Right. Okay. So um, when I got married, I mean, every, every woman's dream is, I'll get married, have a baby, I'll get pregnant and all that. But it didn't happen for me straight away. Um, there was a bit of a delay. It took me over three years to get pregnant when I got married. Mm. And in between them times, I had to do a series of tests to find out what was going on. And some of the tests were so painful. Mm. I had to do the test that they put the dye in your tubes to see if there was a blockage anywhere, but there was nothing. Um, I did a few other tests to find out if 
I was fertile. I did the ovulation test. I did everything was okay with me. My husband had to do his semen analysis. Everything was okay with him. So we're wondering, what was this coming from? Mm -hmm. Anyway, long and short, one one consultant I met at North Middlesex Hospital said to me, Sandra, there's nothing I can do for you again because I don't know what's going on. Your only alternative might be to have an IVF because I don't really know why you can't conceive naturally. Anyway, so I said to the doctor, I don't think you'll see me again. I just said it in person. Yeah. And I think that was in December of 20, 2005, yes, since 2005. And then in April of 2006, I wasn't feeling too good. I wasn't feeling well. I thought I was having like a flu. Okay. Um, and then I thought, mm, something is not right somewhere yeah. because then... I'm, I'm one person that I don't keep track of my periods. No. I know they're going to come sometime. Let's say if it comes at the end of the month, I know it's going to come around maybe 29th. Yeah. But I don't really have, you know, there's some women that know the exact keep a calendar of it, yeah. I, oh, no, I don't. I yeah. know it's going to come, it's going to come. Because yeah. prior to even getting married, I wasn't too, you know, so yeah. I wasn't really bothered about keeping yeah. track of my period date. But I realized that a month has passed and I hadn't seen my period yet. So I was thinking maybe just the lady would come. Yeah. But because of how I was feeling, I said to my husband, go buy me a pregnancy test okay. trip. Yeah. Wow. And he was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I don't feel too good. I mean, I, I was very nauseous. I thought, oh, it's that I'm kind of the flu or I've got a bug or something like that. Yeah. So I did a test and I was pregnant. I'm like, ooh, wow. ooh. Yeah. So, it, I mean, through no medical intervention, but God did it. Yeah. And so... It was, it was a miracle for me. I remember one time, prior to getting pregnant, I think it was um, that year, the Easter, or the good, yeah, from the, so the, the Easter Friday up to the Easter the Sunday, the mm. good Friday to Sunday was in March, thereabouts. You know? And I remember I went to church, and was there was a prayer meeting, and was, mm. everybody was praying their own prayer. Yeah. I wasn't even listening to what was going on. I was just in one corner, and I was just saying, Lord, Today, I'm just like Hannah before you. Yeah, wow. All I ask is that you bless me with a child. Yeah. I said, don't let this year go to an end without me having a child. And that yeah. was what happened. I yeah. have, I conceived in, in April. Wow. But my conception wasn't like a normal one where people bask and, you know, they glow and they have all the yeah. fun that they come with pregnancy. Oh, my goodness. Pregnancy was so tough for me. Oh. Yes. It was so tough for me. For my, I mean, all through, I could say all through my nine months, it wasn't. I didn't get it easy. Hmm. From when I realized that I was pregnant and I was no shows and all that, I was. I couldn't keep any food down. No food, no water. I couldn't keep it down. If it goes in, it has to come out. Oh, literally, yeah. they gave me anti sickness. I was getting the injection and the tablets. It still wasn't helping. I was hospitalized more times than I could count because I was so dehydrated. So they had to put, mm. um, give me IV yeah, fluids yeah. just to keep me hydrated because I was so dehydrated. And at a point, my midwife was like, your weight and the baby weight is so small. You need, we need to do something about it. And so when I hear all these news, I go back to where I conceived from. I go back to God and I'm like, Lord, with all these diagnoses, I don't know what to do. They're, they're saying one thing, but I'm trusting in you for the other. Um, and so, well, then the baby began to grow. She was growing all right. 
then I think it was about 24 weeks, I woke up one morning with severe abdominal pain. And I had to call the hospital and they said to me, you need to come in. We think you're getting a miscarriage. And I said to God, Lord, you said none shall cast her young. I'm not casting this one. And for some weird reason, my faith at that time, I think because I was kind of like uh, um, believing God for a child, so my faith was so sky high. I wasn't going to let anything take that away from me. And so I said to God, I said, Lord, I'm not casting this one. I went in there, they checked, the the womb was sealed, there was no bleeding, so they didn't know where this um, pain was coming from. They didn't know where the cramps were coming from. The baby was all right, had beat okay, was lying in good position. So they kept me in there for, I think, two or three days. And then they just said, oh, we realize you've got MRSA. And I thought, what are you talking about? So they had to take me out from the ward I was in into isolation, and nobody was supposed to come see me because I was so contagious. I've got MRSA. And I said to the doctors, I think your diagnosis is wrong. It's yeah. probably somebody else's swap that you've used for me because I haven't done any swap since I came in here. So what do you mean by I've got MRSA? I haven't, they haven't, they didn't, they didn't no, there was no swap. Yeah. But to them, I have MRSA. And so I was kept in hospital for a while. I wasn't given any medication. For whatever reason, the MRSA, wherever it went, it went to, just went away. I don't know where it came from. So I was discharged after about a week. I came home. Then I think I was about 32 weeks. I got a similar experience. And so I had to, they had to rush me again to the hospital. And this time they said, no, we think the baby is coming. All right. That was what. So they prepared me actually to give birth to a premature baby that the baby is coming. And I said, but it's only 32 weeks. They go, well, they, they can usually survive. It's not 100% bad if, well, with God's help or whatever, yeah. they can actually survive. Um, but unfortunately, the baby didn't come. <laughs> they, uh, when they put me on the monitor, they could see all the contraction signs yeah. I was talking about. So I was really like going into labor. All right. And it, the contractions actually stopped. And the, the midwives and the doctors were like, what's wrong with you? Because one minute you're in labor, the next yeah. minute you're not. So they kept me there for two days. And then they asked me to come back home. Um, at 37 weeks, I had a similar experience. So I went again. <laughs> and this time they said, no, 37 weeks, she can come. She's yeah. okay to come out. She's fine. I stayed in the hospital for three days. Contraction ceased. No movement. Baby okay. I had to come back home. <laughs> At 40. <laughs> 40 weeks came and went, no contraction. Wow. So they said, yes, so they said, uh, we have to induce you to go into labor because we think. And now the baby was growing bigger and bigger and bigger. So 40 weeks um, and five days. So we're going to do the induction on 40, 41 um, weeks. 40 weeks and five days, my water broke at home. When the second of December morning wow. it was about seven thirty, my water broke. So I called the hospital and they said, "Oh, come in! Finally, she's coming." <laughs> um, so we went. Now, with every contraction, 
my my daughter's heartbeat God. was going down. So she was in distress, yes. Um, and then the consultant that was looking after me said, it's not looking too good. They kept me there for a while. They said, it's not looking too good. We need to do an emergency cesarean because now the heart rate is really, really dropping. So they rushed me into theater for an emergency cesarean. And when she was delivered, she wasn't breathing. She wasn't moving. She wasn't doing anything wow. because her cord has actually tied her around her neck and her arm. So her arm was her, was like that on her neck oh. with the cord around it. So with every contraction, it was getting tighter, tighter and tighter. Oh my tighter. gosh. Yeah. yeah. And so even now that she's older, she still has the mark on her wrist. And I keep telling her, it is God reminding you that he kept you. Yeah. Yeah. So she was yeah. actually born alive, but not alive, if I should use yeah. that word. Yeah. And so I didn't get to see my baby. She was rushed into NICU because oh. she wasn't breathing yet. And when she was born, and they showed her to me, she was blowing bubbles. She was trying to breathe, but she couldn't. Okay. So she was just blowing bubbles, trying to get yeah. in there. Um, if you see the fish that blows bubbles in the water, yeah. and I said, no way. I'm not going back home with empty hands. Yeah, I, have, yeah, I wouldn't go yeah, through all yeah, this pain yeah, and go home with yeah. empty hands. So um, they rushed her to NICU. So she stayed in NICU. So I didn't see her for the first day she was born. And she was in high dependency. Oh. So she was 99% on oxygen. Mm. And they said even if she survives, she might have brain damage or speech or because she wasn't breathing for lack of oxygen. And so the second day, I said to my midwife, I said, I want to go and see my baby. She said, are you sure? So, anyway, before that, they brought me pictures of her so that just in case she doesn't make it, I still have a picture of the baby. And I said, this picture, I said to myself, this picture is, is not going to be a picture of me going back home to tell a story. Yeah. But it's going to be me going back home to say, this is the first day she was born. Yeah. I was going to yeah. take that yeah. home with yeah. her as well. And so the second day they had to, because I was, because uh, I had cesarean as well, so I couldn't actually walk. So they had to put me in a wheelchair and take me to NICU to go and see her. And when I saw my baby for the first time, I cried. Oh dear. Because she was, she looked so helpless. She looked like, when you see her, you know there was no hope. Because she had the oxygen, she had all the tubes going through her, and I mean, it was it was it was such such a sight. Yeah. And then I said to them, "Can I hold her?" And one of the nurses was like, "No, you can't because she's very fragile." But the other one, she's a Mauritian lady. She said, "No, you can hold her. Most babies actually recover from a mother's touch." Yeah. So hold her. Um. So they put her on my lap, and I started singing for her. I was singing. Uh. uh Yes, Jesus loves me. Yeah. I was singing that song and I sang, and Jesus loves me, this I know. I was singing all these, my Sunday school songs that yeah. come to mind. I was just singing for her. That was the first day. So first day she was 99% on oxygen. She couldn't breathe on her own at all. Wow. Um, her lungs were, even though she's she's past, like 41 weeks, she's past her, her due date, yeah. her 40 weeks. Yeah. Her lungs were fully developed but she couldn't breathe properly because of the knot that was tied around yeah. her neck. Um, second day, she was breathing 40% on her own, 60% on the oxygen machine. On the third day, 
it was a miracle. Wow. She was breathing 99.4% on her own. own. Wow. So one of the, the midwives said, why don't we switch off the oxygen, see if she can continue to do it. Yeah. They did it, and she was breathing on her own. And so um, one of the midwives again said, why, why don't we let baby and mother sleep together tonight instead of keeping her in the incubator on her yeah. own? Let mother and baby sleep together, see how it goes through the night, because yeah. we're still in the hospital. Yeah. If anything, they can assist. So I slept with her that night, and she was okay. We didn't need, the, we didn't need the oxygen at all. The only problem was that she wasn't able to suck. She couldn't suck properly, so she was still being fed with a tube. Okay. And then the Mauritian um, lady came and said, let's take this tube off. Try her gently, see if she can try and, and do it. So they did it, and they gave her a bottle. And for the first time in four days after she was born, she sucked milk from the bottle. Wow. And so this woman, I saw her as... An angel. An angel. Anything the consultant said, she would come and say the opposite. Why don't we try this? Why don't we yeah. try that? Why don't we try? Everything was, why don't we try? Why don't we try? And so there she was okay. We were discharged. We came home. And she's been okay ever since. She didn't have wow. no brain damage, wow. no speech problems, <laughs> no, no, absolutely nothing. She's a full grown 16 year old. Wow. A teenager doing her own thing. I mean, it is amazing. Now, before she got to this age, we met the late, the, the one of the NICU nurses in town, and she said, "If anyone had told me this baby would survive, I would never have believed it." Wow. Well, and so she also started her own little um, foundation she... that she donates money to the NICU. Oh it's called Nadel Trust. Yes, and she does that. Every Christmas morning, because she came home on Christmas morning, so yeah. every Christmas morning, um, she goes there and gives a donation to the ward as a sign of also, you know, praising God and blessing God for the gift of life. Yeah. So that was how my journey into motherhood started. I didn't get to easy. Then I had my second girl. I couldn't walk. I was unconscious. I was using crutches oh. to walk. <laughs> oh, yes. I know. I had an emergency cesarean as well because my old wound was rupturing. Um, so, yes, I had to do emergency cesarean for her. Then my third girl also, um, I did, that was elective, but they didn't want me to go through the yeah. pain of, so she was delivered at 37 weeks. Okay. So I have three girls, so my, my journey into motherhood has been a long, wide, winding one. I didn't get it easy at all, no, not like how most people do it and, you know, they all... So when I had my third girl, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. So I got I got my my tubes tied on. So I'm sterile. Okay. I'm wow. Completely sterile. <laughs> wow. Done. Done. Yeah. Hands yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, Sandra, your story is so inspiring, and I have similar story to yours. I've uh, well, yeah, I've never had it too easy in pregnancy as well, because I was told I couldn't have children. So it's yeah, also been a faith. Like, yeah. It's yeah. it's been a faith journey for me. And I'm excited we are sharing the story. I've shared it too many times. My story, I've shared it too many times on this podcast. So I wouldn't like to do it again so that it doesn't <laughs> look like yeah. <laughs> but I think that um, there are certain things in, in life that is only God who can turn it around. 
and I, I believe he does that for his glory and all the Absolutely. time when I look at my children and I tell them they are my source of joy you know especially my little girl the challenges I went through and I'm getting a bit teary now so when I look anytime I'm down and I look at her you know I just find joy suddenly and anytime I see her, I give her a kiss on the forehead on on the cheek and then yeah. one time she asked me why do you do that i said i don't know but when i see you that's what i feel like doing so i just do it yeah. because that is what yeah. she does to me you know and she has a big smile and she's a bit clingy she'll hug you herself she gives you a kiss she blows you a kiss everywhere she's like that yeah. so she's yeah. a source of joy to me and i think that god does that for us i see them and i always remember what god did and sometimes when they are not around, I just go on my knees and I start thanking God because he's, I see him, yeah. I see that he's the only one who can do it. No one else could do it. No one else could do it no. because at the time I was going through multiple challenges. It was like a roller coaster of my life. And sometimes people, as you go along, people get to see you. And at a point, some people wanted to tag me as, you know, when you have issues in life with pregnancy and stuff like that, people tend to say it's a case, it's a case you know yeah. sub, the way people think but i've always seen that as god strengthening me Absolutely. because it's been a build-up of things upon things and i don't know what will break me of course things comes in and out you get sad you go down a bit but you always bounce back and when you bounce back it's bigger than what was before Absolutely. you know so i'm never worried about trials i've never worried about tribulations i've just gotten to know that anytime i go through one it means that there is a higher price at the end of it for me and i'm delighted to go in rather what i say is god strengthening me to go through it and come out successful yeah. for your glory and i always say that and i go through it successfully so i'm excited you are sharing this if anybody is expecting uh, is expecting like the fruit of the womb or is looking at having children they should take both of us as you know yes. And then trust I that. that, yeah. that um, I only ask God for one, and I got yeah. two. Yeah. So it's buy one, get two free. But I've heard something about the prayer of Hannah that if you say anytime you say it with faith, it works. Yeah, it does. It works. Work. Yeah, you say it, pour your heart out, just like she did it, and then you trust God for it. It definitely will work. So yeah, anybody looking at us should believe that whatever, whatever they are asking god for it, it shouldn't be just children it could be anything husband financial breakthrough anything they should believe that so far as you've you've, you've tabled it to him he will definitely definitely answer if yeah. you yeah if you trust that he will do it let's talk about real moms connect how right. did it start so at a point i realized that a lot of mothers were going through challenges with parenting and motherhood yeah. the whole journey of motherhood is not easy and sometimes it can be very lonely on that journey yeah. because you think you're on your own. And so when people are asking you, but, so how do you do it? Because you're always busy, but you always have time for your kids. How do you manage it? And so it was a friend of mine, I actually called her sister, Emma. And she was like, sis, you have all these ideas. You're doing all this. So she actually started the platform. We started with the WhatsApp platform. Okay. She started the WhatsApp platform. Really? Of Real Moms Connect, where we talk to mothers and wives uh, um, as to, I mean, on the journey of motherhood, how not to lose yourself, yeah. be present, yeah. enjoy the journey of motherhood, yeah. 
and still enjoy your individuality yeah. as a woman. Yeah. Um, some people get married and they lose who they are. Their identity is all because I'm a wife. But you shouldn't lose your identity because you get married. Yeah. No. Yeah. The man only comes in there to call, to compliment you. Yeah. You're already an embodiment of what God made you. So yeah. that is who you are. You yeah. don't need to lose it because you are a mother or a wife. But you have to actually live the purpose that God has given to you. And so with that in mind, we decided that, okay, let's get Real Moms Connect, a community where we support mothers and wives going through the journey of motherhood. Yeah. Or even wives who don't even have kids yet. Hmm that we might be able to inspire them, that a story that somebody would share would inspire them. And like you said, you've said your story so many times. Yeah. I've shared my story, so I, I tell people my story is now stale news <laughs> because I've shared it more than I can I can count, you know. So, But anytime I share it, people find inspiration from it. I get a source of strength from it. Yeah. Looking back at it, I, I always, I'm always like, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful. Because at a point, People were asking me, when are you, when, when are we, <laughs> Lord have mercy, when are we coming for naming? You know, in a, in a, yeah. community, yeah. people begin to ask yeah. you, so when are we having grandchildren and when are we having kids yeah. and all that? Yeah. And sometimes it can be a bit of a burden. It can, and it can be, it can be heartbreaking yeah. when you're not having kids and then all your, um, I'm my, I'm my parents' only daughter. I have oh. three other brothers, but I'm the only girl. So when all these other people around you, cousins and nieces are all having kids and then you are the older one among them, but you don't have it. And honestly, in as much as I, I wanted to have kids, at the point I wasn't really bothered. I was thinking that in God's own time it would come. Yeah. But then when you see it, you are human. And so when you go for other people's dedication and christening and you're holding the baby, you crave for that. Because you're human. Yeah. But you don't, I, I didn't let it consume me that I was so broken to the point where if you don't give me a child, no, 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 mm. no. I, I desperately want, I, I wanted one, but it wasn't at a point of desperation where I was losing my hope in God. Yeah. I was holding on to him. I was hoping against hope that I would get a child. My God, you said you're hoping against hope. In the previous um, episode we recorded, I, I, I listened to the lady's story and I told her she's hope personified. So if somebody's looking for hope and doesn't know what hope looks like, they should look at her. Because as vibrant as she is, beautiful young lady, at age yeah, 28, you lost mobility. Yeah. And the yeah. way she was able to bring herself up to work, but talking to, up to herself positively, back to work again, I said she's hope. So when you said hope, I just remembered her, but everything yeah. you've said is seriously on point. Sometimes society can give you unnecessary pressure. I'm telling you. It's unnecessary. And you know, and at, well, people say that when you're expecting to get pregnant and then you don't think about too, it too much, that is when it comes, you know? So when society is putting so much pressure on you, how then do you tend to forget about the about the pro about the problem you can't forget it's up to you you know when the bible says uh, and david encouraged himself in the lord yeah you yeah. need to en find encouragement in the lord encourage yeah. yourself yeah 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 you know prior to coming on live i was talking to somebody and she was sharing her story and i said listen run back to god yeah because that's the only place you can find solace that's the only place that you can find hope 
Yeah. You can find rest. You can yeah. find joy. Yeah. It's only in Him. Yeah. If you're looking for all these things in people, I'm sorry. You won't find it. Yeah. You won't find it. People will let you down. Yeah. So when society tends to put pressure on you, when family is trying to burden you about kids, encourage yourself in the Lord. Let the joy of the Lord be your, your strength. strength. You know that he, he is more than capable and more than able to do anything and everything he yeah. wants to do. In his own time, he makes all things, things beautiful. beautiful. You know, so true. and so for my, my my oldest daughter, I call her my miracle baby. Wow! I say she's my wow. miracle child. Yeah. So you came in and you opened the door Don't. to others join you. Yeah. So, yeah. You are the, yeah. You're the miracle baby. Yeah. Wow! You're doing a marvelous job out there. Are you a minister? I'm a minister's wife. Minister's wife. Good. You speak like <laughs> one. The job you're carrying is a is a massive one. Working with women is not easy because women can be quite petty so it's not an easy very. task not even quiet very i want to be a bit <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to just put it right you know so that i'm not judged out <laughs> so <laughs> can be very yeah so it's not it's not easy at all working with women mm. i i just tend to kind of understand it as a woman knowing where it comes from because when we go through a lot of pressure at home with the kids and especially in this part of town in this part of the yeah. world you can easily yeah. be overburdened by Absolutely. yeah everything else and that could have an impact on our lives as a woman so when you talked about women not giving up on themselves when they get married and when they become mothers is one big thing i I tend to talk about anytime I meet a woman and I think she's giving up a little bit on herself. You know, sometimes people think that I'm confident in my skin, so I just wear anything and then, you know. But when people see you, is your image, the image is the first thing they see. Absolutely. You may say, I don't care about what people say. People, sometimes you say, I don't care, this is me. If they like it, they accept it. But that's the wrong thing to put out there. Yeah. No matter how confident you are, you should be presentable in your confidence. You know, smell good, look good, dress well. It, you don't have to break the bank. I always say, don't be, be creative about it. You know, it is the way you go about it. And then you always look nice in, in the sight of people. There are lots of mothers out there who look presentable, you know, and how are they doing it? You, you, you ask yourself, how are they doing it? Then you should be able to do it. Some way, somehow, you should be able to do yeah. it. You know, you start from little things. I, I've, I've never gone to a salon. I've never. Because okay. it's expensive to do it. I've been doing her all my life. You know, I learned it. Right. I used to do it for my sisters back home in Ghana. In our house, we had a mini salon. Everybody did the hair there. My mom would do it. Right. When I have to do it, my sister would do it for me and things like that. Mm. So when I traveled, yeah. nobody's done my hair. I think when I came and I was pregnant, a lady did my hair once, but since then, that was it. I do my braids, I do my little girls. So some of these petty things as a woman, you have to learn to do them so that you don't always have to pay for it. In that case, it doesn't become too expensive for you to look good. So I'm excited we are talking about this because I think most... I do my girls' hair. Yeah. Because if you, for them to, play, to, to do the braids in the salon, it's about £75. Yeah. And imagine for the three of them. My God. I know. So I do, I do it and it looks really yeah. mean and so so good and people ask them what did you do your hair and they go my mom did it really yes yeah you have to be creative you just have Absolutely. to be yeah I, I met a lady today she said i saw my 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 boy's clothes 
if you can you have to do it to say especially in this in this day and age when everything is gone so expensive you don't have to buy everything we shouldn't be buying everything so like these things like this take the pressure off women because you know sometimes you may have the man at home but saying things are a woman's job setting things you know like making sure that yeah making sure the children look good all of those is a woman's contribution towards the family so if you don't want to always give money to to get those things done why not learn it and get it done so that all the time the children look decent Absolutely. you look decent and yeah so i'm happy we spoke about that let's talk about submissiveness in marriage i don't know if this <laughs> i think this word is twisted and people people say it all the time to shoot them what does submissiveness in marriage mean to you okay so before we get to the word submit where people take it out of context yeah. where they say that as a wife, you need to submit to your yeah, husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is there is a preceding verse. Yeah, yeah. Where it says, "Husbands love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it." Yeah. Then it comes down. It says, "Submitting yourselves one to another." another. Okay. Yeah. Woman, submit to your husband. Yeah. The husband needs to love you. Yeah. You need to submit yeah. both of you one to, to another. another. Yeah. But it's taken out of context where people think that to be submissive means to not to talk, not to not to have your own mind, to to do what your husband says, to to dance to his tune when he says jump, you say how high. But that is not how it's supposed to be. Love me, I respect you. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, you respect me. Yeah. So it goes hand in hand. Being submissive doesn't mean that you are a doormat. Yeah. No. Yeah. Being submissive means that I'm here for you. I'm listening to you. I'm supporting your dreams. I'm supporting your your ideas you're bringing. If the ideas are not right or they're not going to be beneficial to you and to me and to our family, I am here for you that we discuss it. Two heads they say are better than one. But people tend to take that word submiss be submiss submissive or submission out of context and they make a whole lot of hullabaloo about yeah. it that even if you're an independent woman oh she's not submission she's not, she's not submissive she's not yeah. no submission doesn't mean that i need to sit down for you to beat me until i die yeah i don't need to sit down for you to insult me to take my self-esteem away to take my confidence away no love me yeah. Be there for me emotionally. Be there for me when I need you. Be there for me as a as a man of the of the house, as my husband, as the father of my kids, as the head of the family. I can't take that away from you. That is your position that God has given to you as the head of the family. But I'm also the neck. Yeah. And the neck carries the, the head. head. So if you are not being a good head, then the neck cannot carry you. So being submissive to your husband means that he is. you guys are both in there through it all. You submit one to, to another. another. Let's, let's, it's all about respect. Yeah. It's all about caring. It's yeah. all about listening. It's yeah. all about being in tune yeah. to one another. Having good emotional connection with one another. Um, but I think from... And from our part of the world where we came from, a lot of people think that to, this girl is just she, she has no yeah, submission yeah, yeah. in her. She's 
She doesn't respect. And the reason why she doesn't respect is because the husband said something and she thought it wasn't right. right. And she responded by saying that, no, I think if we do A, B, C, it would be better. So then you have no um, submission in you. You're not, you're not submissive. You're not submissive wife. But when, the, when God said that we should submit, he didn't say that sit down, let them beat you, let them abuse you, let them control you. No. It means I am there to respect you. Yeah. I'm there to honor you. Yeah. I am there to help you. Yeah. That is my position in your life. Yeah. As a helpmate, I'm there to help. But you need to give me something to help with. Yeah. And that is why the Bible, the preceding verse says, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. So you need to love. The wife needs to respect. We submit to one another. We are in it together. Sandra, you know, love is a big word. Sometimes when some people say, I love you, especially when a man is saying, I love you to a woman or a woman is saying, I love you to <laughs> I tend to ask, if I th if we know the, the true meaning of love, I don't think we'll be throwing the word out the way we do. Because loving selflessly just, yeah, just like Christ loved the church is nowhere close to what we do in our no. daily life. And especially when no. a man is loving a woman the way Christ loved the church or a woman is doing likewise, there is no way the person will not submit that kind of submission oh, yeah. the Bible is talking about. That's, that's what I'm saying that there's a preceding verse. Yeah. So if you want the woman to do what the Bible is saying, you as the man need to do what the preceding verse Yeah. Says. Then the next one will follow. Then the other one will follow. When it says that the woman should submit to the husband, it goes again to say submitting one to another. So both of so it goes. You see, it, it it works. It works like that. We have to do it this way. You love me, I respect you, so I submit under your authority, and then we both submit one to another. So I read a post. I mean, very interesting post. I took my time to read the whole thing. I think the person had written about the late Nigerian um, gospel artist, Osinachi, mm. and was trying to bring out some red flags of an abusive person and saying, if you meet a man and the man says, you cannot oh, work, yeah. giving you things you can do. Where have you been? Why have I been calling you all this while and you're not picking the phone? Who are you talking to? I don't like that friend of yours. I don't like the way she is. Like, those are some of the red flags. Lately, I think, well, I don't know, but I don't know if we're feeding it, but it, it happens that people have it at the back of their mind that the number of men in the world is limited and women in the world is more. <laughs> and I think that has also gotten into the, into the heads of men that they can treat women anyhow because there are other women out there who are also waiting for them. If you're not doing, yeah. someone is out there who do it and do this yeah, and do that. And, mm. and some of us women are not patient enough to wait for the right person. So we yeah. just accept anything else. What can we yeah. say to somebody who is waiting to get married and is 35, 36, 37, mm. close to 40 and think the clock is ticking and can't wait anymore. Therefore, just goes in for, what can we say to somebody like that? Okay. So there's no rush. There's no time. I don't. I said, don't put no time limit on yourself. Hmm. And don't think that the men in the world are so limited that you won't find yours. Yeah. Because God is more than able to create more men. Yeah. Wherever they're going to come from, 
don't know, don't care, but God has one for you. Yeah. That is what you need to understand. Yeah. Um, you don't need to put pressure on yourself. When you're single and waiting, that's how I call them, single yeah, and waiting, waiting, work on yourself. Yeah. Develop yourself. Get to know who you are. Be content with who you are. The minute you begin to be so content with yourself, all this stress of when am I going to find a man, when is a man coming, begins to, if he comes, fine. But you, you don't let it bother you. It doesn't become like pressure. You know, it doesn't, it, it, it's, it's not, um, how do I put it? It's not, it's not burdensome on you. It's not, it doesn't become a burden because you know that you would get married one day. Yeah. You would find a man one day. But in the waiting process, what do you do yeah. in the waiting process? Yeah. Now, if I, I don't want to preach, but let me just go back a little bit. If you look at Esther, yeah. prior to her going into the king's um, presence, she was a lady in waiting. Yeah. She yeah. was being prepared. They gave her six months of oil of mare. They gave her all the fragrance and all that. She was being prepared. So while you you want to get married, what preparation are you doing for yourself? Yeah. Are you waiting for the man to come and complete you? Are you waiting for the man to come and boost your self-esteem up? Are you waiting for the man to come and give you confidence? No. Your identity. Know yourself. Know who you are. Encourage yourself. Develop yourself. Develop a skill. Go to school. Learn a trade. Learn a career. Prepare. So when the man is coming or when the man comes, you're already there. You know, if he comes, fine. I didn't get married early, but I was I was a full-time career woman. I was so busy working. You know, my, my I remember one time my mom was like, is it a work or church? Work mm. or church? When are you going to even meet a man? I said, don't worry, I'll meet the right one at the right time. Yeah. And fortunately or unfortunately, I met my husband. He came to visit my church. Great. He was a visitor in my church, and that's mm. where we met. Um, and so I was busy on myself. Yeah. I was busy with myself. So if you're 35 uh, and you think you're growing too old, I don't want I don't want women to put that burden on themselves that I need a man. I'm I'm growing. I, I, yes, biologically you can be growing. You can think that your your clock is ticking because you want to have kids. But is there anything too hard for the Lord to do? No. So whilst you're waiting, don't let society put more pressure on you. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine did a session, I think it was last year, and she called it, and so what? Mm. And it was a beautiful session. So you're 35, you don't, you're single, no boyfriend, no man in your life, and so what? Yeah. You're married for five years with no children, and, and so, so what? what? And, and so what? Yeah. And so what? Are they, are they God to determine the time of life for you? No. Your times are in the hands of God. Uh, if, if, if we all come to that understanding and to know that in God's own time, he makes all things beautiful, beautiful. we wouldn't fret with so many things. We wouldn't bother us. Like I said before, we're human. And so we tend to worry. We tend to think we need this, we need that. When am I going to? When am I not going to? But the men are not getting finished. Mm. There's more fish in the sea. Even if they get and finished, and so what? <laughs> and so what? Thank you. And so what? Maybe you need to do a, a, a podcast on that. And so what? <laughs> Even if you don't get married, and so what? Yeah. Find con content. Be content exactly. with who you are. Exactly. You know, 
I'm so content. Um, <laughs> during during the lockdown, um, people were like, "So how how are you coping?" I'm like me, how am I coping? Yeah. I even love being at home because yeah. I had all my family around. Yeah. I have my husband. I have my girls. Yeah. We were having our the time of our lives because yeah. we're yeah. all together. Yeah. My husband travels a lot, but during the lockdown, we were all at home, and yeah. I was enjoying that. Yeah. yeah. I I didn't miss going out because I'm I don't really like going out so i didn't really miss it yeah at all yeah if you're content with who you are my goodness there's nothing like that enjoy your own company when you don't enjoy your own company then you begin to think i'm lonely i need somebody else to come into my life and i'm this and i'm that no but if we're able to teach our young girls right from when they are young find contentment within yourself be happy within yourself find yourself find your identity and just encourage them they would grow up knowing that even if i don't have a man in my life i'm still a complete person the man coming is only coming to compliment me that's it he's not coming to complete me because i'm a complete person already you're not a half human being yeah. if you're single yeah 35 no man and so on yeah let's say somebody missed all the red flags um of an abusive person and is already in the relationship and um at what stage should the <laughs> or how how long should the person keep enduring especially when you've been hearing why am i calling you all this while and you're not picking and i don't like that friend of yours and you know or you've seen all the red flags it's just like yeah the thing is prior prior to getting married mm -hmm. you would see all these mm -hmm. okay but what we tend to do is we overlook them mm -hmm. all in the name of I'm in love. Mm. He will change. Mm -hmm. I'm in love. When mm -hmm. I get married, he will change. Mm -hmm. Forgetting that anything you see whilst you're dating, it only magnifies yeah. when you get married. Mm. So if he slaps you one whilst you're dating, when he marries you, he will beat you mercilessly. Yeah. When he's shouting on you when you're dating, when he marries you, he will yell at yeah. you. When he's controlling you when you're dating, when you get married, it becomes worse. Yeah. So what people need to know is that when somebody wants to abuse, I mean, abuse is all about control. Yeah. It's all about control. So when you meet an abusive person, an abusive person is somebody that wants to be in charge of who you are. They want you to conform to them. Yeah. They want to have control, power over you. And so they tell you, Oh, I saw you online. Maybe you're on WhatsApp. Mm. I saw you online at 10 p.m. Who were you chatting with? Yeah. Why didn't you re reply to my message mm. when I sent you a message? Why didn't you pick up my call? Why didn't you do this? Why I don't like the dress you're wearing. Who mm. are you talking to? Oh, I don't like this, your friend. And before you know it, they take everything that you love away from you. And then they have you in the corner where they want you to be. And then they get the power to abuse and to assault and to violate you. So, when you're dating somebody, that begins to control you. When they call you on WhatsApp, they don't get you. They call you on FaceTime, they don't get you. They'll call you on normal call. Mm. They'll, they'll call you everywhere. everywhere. When they don't get you, hey, you are in trouble. Mm. But online chatting with a friend, what are you doing at 10 p.m.? I thought you said you're going to sleep. Yes, I want to sleep, but I'm chatting with a friend. Yeah. What is so wrong with about that? that? No, they get upset. And when maybe a friend of yours say something about them to you and you go and say him this my friend says this mm. ah mm. that your friend is even not good yeah you, you know 
she, I think she has an eye for me. Mm. You know, they try to create all these scenarios just so that the relationship you have with your friend gets broken. It's, it's not going to be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to get broken, you know, and then they have you. If you are somebody that like me, I I go to my mom. My my dad passed away over twenty years ago, but my mom is still alive, and she lives forty five minutes away from me. So I mm. love going to see my mom. My brothers all live in London, mm. so I go there a lot. But if you're dating somebody that would try to say, why are you always going to your mother's? Yeah. Why are you always going to your brother's house? Why is your brother always coming to you? Why you always you need you need to know that they're just trying to create confusion take you away from the presence of the people that you love, the people that love you, the people that can see through them, they will take you away from, from them. And then now you'll begin to walk. You know, when you're working on eggshell, you hear him coming and your heart is jumping. Yeah. Come on. When your husband is coming home, it should be like, excited. When I hear my, door, my doors open, I'm like, Lord, I thank you for bringing my husband yeah. back home. You know, yeah. my, 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 my girls, my older ones, he says, oh, when I hear daddy come home and I hear the door open, the lights come on, I just go to sleep when daddy's home. Yeah. So if daddy's not home, they're worried. Yeah. But when daddy comes home, everybody's okay all right now. I think. Yeah. And to them, they think I'm, I'm too hard on them. Daddy is nicer. Hmm. So this should be the kind of an environment where you are in happy, you know. And then, like you said, how long should you endure? You hmm. shouldn't endure not even for a day. Hmm. As soon as you see the red flags, if you're dating, it's time for you to withdraw. Step back and say, listen, I don't think I can do this with you. Let's just take, take it easy with me for now. Let's give ourselves a bit of time and, see, and then just let the relationship die its natural death. If you're married, however, and you are in that abusive marriage, what you need to do is seek for help. Because what, what happens to you is that yourself, you lose your self-esteem, you lose your self-confidence, you lose your self-worth. And they tell you that everything that is going wrong is your fault. Mm. And for most people, most abusers are narcissists anyway. Yeah. And for a narcissist to get you, they begin to gaslight you. So you tell them you said this, me, did I say that to mm. you? I think it's your mind playing tricks on you. You tell them, but you said you're going to go with me today. Me, when did I say I'm going to go with you? Why do you always put words in my mouth? I never said that. They do that to you so that you begin to doubt your own self. You're thinking, am I going crazy or what? That is the number one tool of a narcissist. They gaslight you and then they manipulate you. They're very manipulative. Narcissists are very manipulative. Sometimes you might not even see it because what they do is that they hit you with one hand, then they pamper you yeah. with the other. Yeah. With one, they pamper you with the other. So you begin to get bonded with that, which is called trauma bonding. That is why most victims can't leave because they're trauma bonded with that. He will change. He said he will change. He said he's sorry. He apologized. He did this, but he'll do it again. You're always working on eggshells around them, and it shouldn't be. So if you're in a abusive marriage, what you need to do is seek for help. If you live in our part of the world where it's very easy to just pick up the phone and and call. Um, women's refuge or yeah. call the domestic abuse helpline you can get help yeah and what what we we, we teach victims is also that um, we give them a number and we call it the barcode um because we're on air i can't yeah. actually yeah. you know but it's called the barcode that we give to the victims and it, it looks like a barcode on 
Mm. Or anything that you buy in the supermarket, there's actually a phone number mm. um, that you can call for, for help. Or you can even call the police. And if you hear your neighbor being abused or being beaten or anything like that, it, the victim doesn't, doesn't even need to call. You as a neighbor, you can actually call the police and then it must be for the victim. Yeah. And they can actually press charges even without the victim uh, um, pressing yeah. charges, you know. So yeah. it, it, it's quite easy on our part of the world. But um, I think was it a few weeks ago, someone said to me they don't have that kind of facilities in Ghana mm. where um, even women can go for respite or call um, a domestic <laughs> abuse helpline and all that. And... It, it, it broke my heart, so I was just thinking to myself, what <laughs> what can I do? It's very important that you leave if you are in an abusive relationship. And it's very funny when I say leave, because a lot of people tend to like, hey, God doesn't like divorce, and you, you're yeah. a Christian, you're saying, I'm thinking God gave you wisdom. Exactly. Did God, did, did, did God say sit there and die? No. Did God say somebody should kill you? No. Did God say somebody should murder no. you? God says somebody should take your self-esteem away mm-hmm. from you. No. No. So God has given you this. You need to use it. Run. I don't say even walk. Run right. for your life. If he hits you one, he will hit you again. He will hit you again. I'm excited about this conversation. Seriously. I'm seriously excited about it. I think we'll have to bring you back again at your convenience. I will talk later behind the scenes and see how best we can do this. Strategize and then have, uh, maybe we can have part one, part two. I'll be excited to do it before marriage. Yes. We'll be excited to do it. If you had one wish for this year, what would that be and why? Hmm. I have so many wishes so my number one wish for this year is i really want to help women become so so independent my god totally independent that <clears throat> i don't even know what word to yeah. use to, what adjective to, to 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 qualify it yeah i want i want i want every woman to be able to say this is me this yeah. is who i am yeah I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a career girl, I'm this, but this is who I yeah. am. This is my God-given identity. Yeah. And I'm so holding on to that. I'm standing with that. I am independent of that truth. Yeah. That this is what God has made me and this is who I am. Yeah. You know, being independent doesn't necessarily mean that you are financially capable of doing everything. No. It means you're able to think on your feet. You're able to, to, to do something. You're able to assess situations and find solutions to problems. You don't always need to. If you're someone like me that you're having troubles a lot, most of the decisions I take at home is when he's not around. I, yeah. I take it and then I tell him, yeah. I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. That is me being independent. Yeah. I'm not being dependent on him because he's not here. Then I'm calling him, what should, what should I, I do? do? do I need to mm. No. You know, so I want every woman, my number one wish for this year is that every woman will come to the place of total independence. Mm. Of knowing that you can make it, no matter what, whether you're married, you're single, you're divorced, you're dating, you're courting, you're in between, you can make it. Be totally independent, totally. totally. I can't wish any less, um, as my own wish for this year. Because like I've always said, and I think everybody who listens to this podcast would have heard me say that I'm passionate about women and children. And it's also been my desire 
all the time that women will be independent because I know how it feels to be independent and and be your own the authority you carry and then the confidence you exude you know all around you you know who, nothing can break you nothing can stop you. you you just and it rubs off on your children you know it, does. it makes uh, yeah. before we go <laughs> my my oldest daughter had um, a teacher come to your school yeah. my daughter walks into the classroom and she says your your presence intimidates me you know i find your presence very intimidating a teacher telling my 16 year old <laughs> i find your presence very intimidating and she said to the teacher wait till you see my mom <laughs> <laughs> My God, uh, my God. No, some of these things you cannot talk too much. One time, my little girl came and said, uh, a friend in my class, a girl in my class says, she, I don't like your mom. Oh, dear. And then she said, <laughs> she said, what did she do? So she said, she kept asking her, what did she do? Why don't you like my mom? I just don't like her. <laughs> yeah, yeah they find your presence in I guess. And this would have been a grown-up conversation where the child might have heard yeah and then she's oh, talking definitely. about it yeah because the, a child, my, my my little girl is five years old so oh. how can it five or maximum six but she's the youngest in the class you know so there are about five another five-year-old or maximum six-year-old yeah. will be saying six, i hate yeah. your mom i don't have any connection with that little girl so how can she just no. say that unless she's had grown-ups I'm excited about this conversation. It's down my street, you know, so I'm so excited about it. We could keep going on and on and on, but time will not permit us. I know. Yeah. I know. In closing, what would your final message be to our listeners, if you have any? Hmm. I have so many, so many things to say. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, we've, we've, we've talked a lot. We've talked about yeah. the journey of motherhood. We've talked about being independent. We've talked about knowing the signs of abusive um, yeah. relationships and all that. But my final word to anybody that is probably waiting and trusting God for the fruits of the womb, yeah. not to give up. Exactly. Don't become too desperate that you begin to seek answers where you're not supposed, supposed to, to seek for answers. Yeah. Just trust God Yeah. and leave the consequences up to him. Wow. Just trust him. In his time, he makes all things beautiful. Trust God trust God. I like that. If you've been listening in, this is season two, episode 49 of our podcast series, where we've been bringing you away seasoned guests with inspiring real life stories to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. We have a video presentation of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just search for podcast to chill on YouTube and you'll find us. Our prayer for you this week is that you will be the best version of yourself as you go through the pages of life. Until we meet again, have a brilliant week. Thank you.